All right, Zig coming in on the top. Today on the show, we have Louis Michaud, singer-songwriter, fiddle player for the Lost Bayou Ramblers. He's just released a solo record, Revdu Troubadour, available now on all stream platforms. This new album's incredible. It's, it's one of those records that combines all these different elements of music, and but does it in this uniquely punk rock way, even though they're not intending to be punk rock. It's just the attitude that's there. And they're all just diving into their culture's music in a, in a full-hearted way, but with a new twist to it, right? The Lost Bio Ramblers, this is, this is what that band does. Um, he won a Grammy. Lewis won a Grammy with the Lost Bio Ramblers. Um, but anyway, that's beside the point. This new album's incredible. We're going to listen to a track. This track features the great guitarist Bombino. Les 
Cross de Marguerite, Revdu Troubadour's album, Louis Michaud, featuring the great Bombino. I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, we're going to jump right into it. So uh, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, if you could like, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast on any of the podcast platforms, it helps me keep talking to cool guests like Louis and sharing insight with you. That being said, here's my conversation with Louis. Awesome. Well, the, get, jump into it. This new album is incredible. It sent me down the whole, like, when Howard sends me something, I dive into, like, that record, then everything that came before, and, like, it stands out from all your work before, and it's really, like, it's a really amazing record. But one thing I know, and one thing that was really interesting was, like, you're playing a whole bunch of different instruments that you didn't, that you don't normally play in, like, Lost um, Lost Bayou Ramblers, but uh, the one instrument I didn't see was the upright bass. That's true. That's true. One I one I didn't play exactly, which is <laughs> which is my first uh, first professional instrument. But I think partially I had um, oh, put that down. 
partially we have, we've loaned our base to Brian Weber, our, our, uh, our, our bases, you know, in my group and the Rambler. So he has the stand-up base. So for one, I didn't have it on site much, but we did use it, but he actually recorded it at his house when he did for a uh, souvenir to Puerto Rico. But that's a good, that's a good uh, observation. I hadn't even thought about it. Would have liked to have played more stand-up bass next time. Next <laughs> record. Um, but it also, like, so you started on the upright bass, which is a pretty, like, kind of, that's like a, as a weird, like, in-between of, like, it can go to guitar, it can go to violin, you know what I mean? You're in that, that's kind of like the center, in a way, for, like, these different outlets, like, of musical technique of how to handle an instrument. Um, and from what I understand, you dove into guitar, right? Yeah, ex exactly. I, uh, I was, well, okay. So I played both guitar main, I played guitar mainly from like picked up myself when I was 12. And then I had played, I had taken some violin lessons when I was younger. So when I was like 14, they needed someone to replace one of my uncles. So that's when I got in on stand up bass, just kind of threw up, threw on the throne on the stage. And then, yeah. And then, so I had, used to play a lot of guitar. And then since I started when I picked up the fiddle, like at 18 years old, I very quickly went away from guitar and I mean, hadn't played it much in the past 20 years. So, I, uh, so I, you know, I've been getting more back into guitar. And when I started recording, making these recordings, which weren't originally intended to be released or anything, I was just doing it for myself during the pandemic and such and putting ideas down. I'd, you know, pick up a guitar and such. So I did do a lot of the bases of these, of these songs on guitar, which is not my normal writing style and such. And it definitely opened it up into making the whole thing, not my normal writing style, which has been in the traditional Cajun music uh, framework. So, you know, playing guitar and like, just writing a lot more, you know, just kind of was like, those. luckily something good came with the pandemic, which was time to explore, you know? Yeah. Did, um, when you were younger and picking up guitar, did it, was it, were you writing your own songs at that point or were you just kind of like learning, learning all the stuff? Uh, back, back when I was a teenager, yeah, I was kind of doing both. I was like, I learned like, my brother and I played the blues a lot when we were teenagers. Like we lived in Baton Rouge and he played the blues. And I learned from him along with like the rock and roll standards, you know, playing to the, our dad's record collection and such and playing the CDs and the radio. And, and I did start writing songs in high school and I had like a, a few original bands in high school with a lot of original music in England. So, yeah, so it definitely had been part of my kind of career palette in the past as a teenager that's fascinating because like um when you like there's this uh this point in your life where uh you start playing with your family band right and you like go to teach english in nepal or well i i had the opportunity to okay and i had the opportunity to either go do that or to go learn french in canada and so I chose Learn French in Canada. And, uh, you know, that fork in the road definitely could have could have gone a completely different way had I gone the teach English in Nepal way. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's interesting because, like, to, to take on a whole other language like that, but also one that's so close to, to your upbringing and to your culture, like, when diving, like, 
and the other thing that I found really interesting, sorry, I don't know why I'm stumbling my words this morning. What I found really interesting about that is like you were hitchhiking through Canada while that was that pre or post learning French in Canada, or was that the whole time? It was right, yeah, it was right. Um, so basically, there's a program in uh, the south bottom part of Nova Scotia, Church Point, Nova Scotia, called it's the University of St. Anne. And they do a five-week immersion program. And I mean, hundreds of hundreds of people my age have gone from Louisiana up there to learn the basis of French. And I did that in 1998, uh, kind of maybe even early on from when a lot of people started really going. Like after, when I went, there was like four people from Louisiana. I think the next few years, I was like 50 a year, you know. And uh, so I went there for like five weeks and then I hitchhiked for two months from from South Nova Scotia all the way to Ontario and then back down to Maine. And uh, yeah, I just I just practiced my fiddle by playing on the streets because I had become reacquainted with the fiddle. It was my grandpa's fiddle and I took it on the road really kind of for the first time, really getting immersed myself in it at the same time as I was immersing myself in the French. So you know, on leaving the immersion program, I had a basis and then I just really went for it to really wrap my head around the language because it's so hard in Louisiana because it's uh, it's such a private, you know, it's such a private language in Louisiana. Like it's not a, it's not taught, you know, in, in that way. And uh, I didn't go to like any immersion schools or nothing like that. So, um, yeah, it, uh, it was an amazing experience to be able to hitchhike around and play on the streets and just make it. And it's, that's something I continued to do. Like I played on the streets a bunch in New York after in New Orleans. And uh, yeah, just and really gave me a time and chance to learn how to kind of be more of a performer and more of like engage with people with music, you know, by playing on the streets. Yeah. Well, one, it, it's interesting to kind of leave home to like kind of was that like kind of solidified this like I, I to fully kind of immerse like instead of going down this potentially like like rock path or blues path, but to dive into your cultures like music was that like that that choice to go there and study French and like was being away from home. I guess my question is, did you find yourself more connected to it? Yeah, it was definitely, it was definitely, that's what was naturally happening in my life was I was, I was, you know, I was really gaining an appreciation, a true appreciation for something I had known my whole life, but it was such, I took much for granted because it was like there when I was growing up, it was just like eating yeah. breakfast, you know? And so I really realized how important it was when I was like 18, 19. And I, uh, that's when I really took to it. And yeah, definitely being able to being able to get out of Louisiana was so important because for one, it's like I said, it's so hard to learn French here by talking to people because you have to like, I mean, you know, it's such a long road. And so it really gave me the chance just to like almost do like a, like, I don't know, like a residency or like, and you know, I just really like had three solid months to like, just, challenge myself to live in French and you know and that was yeah and it was at the same time I was realizing how important the language was and the music you know just gaining a new appreciation for things that had been part of my life for so long but I never really 
understood them, you know? That's beautiful. And, like, and, and I totally agree to piggyback off what you said before. Like, when you're playing on the street, when you're interacting with people, people are passing by, and you really kind of, like, learn that that thing that gets their attention, you know what I mean? Like, or that thing that's entertaining enough to stop them on their busy day to be like, cool, you know, here's a dollar or whatever. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. I mean, playing, yes, exactly. I mean, in French Canada, it was one thing. People love fiddles and, you know, like it was, it's Canada, you know. But being in New York, of course, is a whole nother thing. People like, oh, yeah, like to really get people's attention in New York. And that's where I really found like I was finally getting somewhere. And able to like, I could play for hours on end by myself and just hold the rhythm and and make it, you know, I was making enough to make it worth it. And all because, yeah, I learned how to like get people's attention without forcing it either, without being like, hey, look at me just doing. I always found that when I would focus on what I was doing and not how people were reacting, that's when that's when people started taking notice. And I got so many gigs and met so many awesome people that I'm still in touch with today doing doing that and it really kind of jump-started the Lost Bayou Ramblers ability to tour because I met enough contacts to book our first out of Louisiana tour in New York. That's incredible. Like, was it, so was it like, was it that rhythmic thing that you found, like, because like, to uh, to play to yourself for hours and hours and hours, you know what I mean? Like, it's, 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 it's a, because I've, I've done the busking bit a bit too and it's hard, man. It's hard. <laughs> yes, it completely is. And that's what, yeah, it, it is. It's, it's exactly, it's the rhythm. It's getting, it's holding the rhythm. Like I'll, I'm lucky to, you know, have the kind of a three piece in myself where I got like, I mean, a lot of buskers do, but the vocals, the melody, and then like the foot stomp to kind of keep it going. And then it took, you know, it took like even every day when I go play, it would take a few songs to get warmed up. And then, yeah, it just really allowed me to be a, be like an all-in-one performer, you know. And then when adding more musicians, it only helps. And so, like, when the Rambles would come up on tour, we'd actually go busk as the whole band as well, you know. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, like, people had seen me playing by myself, and then one day they see the whole band, like, oh, okay, this makes more sense. <laughs> I get the whole picture now. I see the background and the foreground. Yeah. <laughs> That's but cool. yeah, the rhythm is where it's at for sure. You know, getting in rhythm with oneself, I think, is what's so great about being able to bust. And you're not like putting on a show. You're just playing to passersby. So it really all does come about yourself. Is that part of the Troubadour's dream? You know, honestly, it is. I mean, that's it's funny because I haven't even, you know, it's like I kind of came up with the troubadour connection when i was halfway through this album just felt like musicians have been ones who historically and currently kind of spread news and are a barometer for you know society and the world and such and uh and definitely like playing on the streets and such you know is part of a big part of my past and with this this current album is the first time I've, you know, kind of allowed myself to get more. I mean, I've, I've done it before written about like environmental stuff, like environmental disasters, like the BP oil spill and other things like that and being tied to the land and such. But, uh, I find with this album, I really stretched out a little more into everything from, you know, current political situations in the early 2020s and, uh, 
and as well as like historical ballads that you know have meaning today and uh yeah so that troubadour thing definitely rings true and it's just kind of came across like oh yeah this is actually in a, a very very fitting very fitting description of kind of what i'm doing right now and have done in the past diving into like when i was looking through all all the stuff i can find that you've done and there's so much but like this is a re- this this new album is like a really amazing like amalgamation of bits of everything and it doesn't like what I love about it is it doesn't it feels so natural it doesn't feel forced at all and it's it's like a fresh look on a lot of these different like styles of music and like um, you just put out a video um, I think it was a day or two ago and it's it almost it's got like dub dub like Cajun style stuff it was really cool. yeah i mean that's yeah that's the thing is like what we've been working with from a traditional background but also being like modern you know modern musicians and modern music lovers and myself and my brother and the rest of our bands included uh like Corey ritchie and brian weber and like our bandmates and producers have you know helped me be able to access and create more of what i like to hear which is like yeah dub and like you know hip-hop beats and such like that and so you know that song is just completely me doing it on like a one try live performance you know live performance thing where it's it's like wow i can you know something i've always wanted to do like you know it's in your head for a few years and then you find like okay i think i can pull this out if i can you know dedicate enough time to just sitting there and going through it and uh, what in the end, like I made that entire track myself with just a few passes uh, of instruments and then got the added the saxophone of Dickie Landry later. And then the Iverville Woodpecker, we added that last. That's amazing. And like, um, what was I going to say? Uh, so in the kind of like build off, one thing I found interesting was you said uh, in the advance on this record that you really feel like you're able to write for the first time in this in this authentic way for yourself and um one i heard somewhere else in another interview or within the documentary um that learning to speak french made it so you can sing and like i know with like people who speak different languages and sing and perform in different languages there's different words they find they can say in one and not the other and uh how did I guess my question is how did a uh, how did um French like learning French like helped you help you learn to sing like what was the the freeing aspect of that or the clarification vocally for that man yeah it's just such a completely different language the uh you know I find that the 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 rhythmic aspect of French. And the rhyming aspect of French is just so completely different to English. And for some reason, it makes more sense to me, even though it's my second language. I'm so I feel so much. Maybe that's because it's my second language. I feel so much freer and it's just so much easier for me to write in French and like to bring across ideas. Yeah. And the word choices and such. And I also love translating to English. But I do have a harder time trying to come up with this the same way to say things in English. And uh, I just I just really am, for one, happy to be have 
learned French for myself and also very like I find it important to be able to pass that down to other people who might be listening, you know, and who who want to learn the language and they do it through music. And the thing about this album is I'm introducing a lot more vocabulary that's not in typical Cajun music because the subject matter is so different, you know. So I'm really branching out in the in the words themselves as well as the uh the format like the the length of the of the lyrics like a traditional cajun song is like four lines and then four lines and they might just be the same or it might be eight lines doubled or you know and like a part a part b which is great and I, i've written a lot of songs in that style and learned tons of songs in that style and love them but this i really opened it up to where i mean like bosco yo flow for example there's three pages of lyrics you know <laughs> and then and then once you once you uh translate that to english it gets pretty long you know and uh and there's just a whole lot of different words that are never used never or rarely used in the traditional music that's like i mean like that whole process of like tearing that apart is a really interesting like i i, I write i've never got to like pick someone's brain on those type of aspects of, of writing music and that's really fascinating um and I guess like listening, going through the documentary, there's a there's a small clip where you hear Ethel May sing, and like there's this with and, and maybe it's just how f- French words are pronounced, but there's like this certain tonality that I find in her voice and your voice, and like when you're singing and like, um, also was that part of like, uh, like the pronounce like how the words are said in the the mouth shape and like did that make it easier to sing too or was that more challenging that's a great point i mean that's an interesting observation to to like have seen that you've seen ethel may sing and she was a huge influence i mean i already was you know i already was i already had like our first album had just came out that's how i met her so i've already had been doing my thing for a while but meeting her really you know she really opened up my eyes to a whole nother yeah singing style and way of improvising which i'd already been improvising in my own vocals and all that but she just showed me a whole nother way from her perspective and the way that she would sing and finish off phrases and the same thing where she would actually kind of use different words and kind of tell her own story through the same songs you know, uh, yeah, she was a bit of a troubadour herself. I mean, not that she got to travel with it, but that she got that she wrote songs about her own life and her own experience and uh, and and kind of kept other songs going, adapted to her perspective. But, yeah, definitely she inspired me and has I definitely learned a lot from her on just probably by by um, symbiosis, just kind of. Her rubbing off on me, you know, the way she sang was so cool. Well, that de- I think that definitely comes off in how you sing. Um, does like so was her like improv mostly within like her storytelling, or like it was it melodically that that her improv like kind of spiked her interest? I think definitely in her storytelling. Like a lot of her, it's it's funny because she had one main melody, and. Um, 
I have not found exactly where, you know, I have I haven't looked and I haven't found exactly where the main melody comes from because it's just so it just seems like such a quintessential melody, maybe just because she sings it so naturally, but it's not like, oh, that's such and such a song. It's just really like, to me, it's her song. And the whole reason she sang the first song that she wanted to give us was it was the pain medicine for her dad when he was on his deathbed because she was like, oh, yeah, he didn't have any, you know, he couldn't afford any medicine and he was in pain. And I went by his side and I said, do you want me to sing? And he nodded his head. Yes. She started singing the song about her life and their life. And and she said when she would stop singing, he'd start moaning and groaning. So she'd sing it again. And she has the song word for word, you know, a pretty a pretty long very cohesive story about their life and it's word for word that she improvised there on the spot for her dad and then it became like a legit piece of of uh consistent art you know it, the lyrics are consistent every time and then from there she adds on other parts of her life like when hurricane andrew came and then a few other stories about her life and then how they had a fire in her attic and then just like all it marks all these moments in her life, major changes to this one melody. And like, you could just go on and on, you know? And then she has a few other melodies that tell other parts of her life. And then she adapts her own parts of her life to other songs and such. But it's really the lyric improvisation and the way that she gets her own story out through music is what really struck me. That's fascinating. And what's, 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 I mean, like to have like a different emotional bit, to come into your life like that, to see your life as a song like that, and the like how music was aided her father. Like, one, that's horrible. They couldn't get any medicine or something to help ease that. But it's beautiful that they had this 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 melody that helped distract or holy shit. <laughs> like um, Yeah, it's I mean, and that's and that goes back to also the whole thing about why French wasn't passed down to the next generations is because to so many it represented being uneducated and poverty, Mm. which was probably part of a larger propaganda or something. But I mean, you know, just the wars and Americanization and everything. And so I knew her dad as a child and he didn't speak any English and he raised all his own food and like was just such a person of the land, which I found amazing even as a child. And then later as like a teenager, young man, I found that amazing. Other people, like including, you know, members of his own family, a lot of people who are raised like this did not find it so great. And they're like, you know, oh, that old man, oh, he, you know, he didn't. And like the only thing is, oh, he, he ate everything. And there's no there's no wildlife left in these woods because he ate everything or like. You know, he was, you know, he was from the old, he was from the old times and like, you didn't mess with, you know, you had to protect yourself and he didn't, you know, everything was done with a mule and a boat. And I mean, he was just that old school thing. So for her, for his life to end that way makes complete sense. And that she's the one who inherited all that knowledge and language from him. And, uh, you know, she happened to be the oldest, which often how it goes, the young ones might not even speak French and such. And she, uh, so she, you know, it very fitting for his life to end that way, honestly, using what he has, you know, his own family as his pain medication. That's a, that's beautiful. Like, I mean, 
what it like it's, and it's it's interesting like how like there can be something so like inspiring and spiritually like like invigorating and like someone can just frown upon it and like or even just like well, to kind of go back to the idea of of the troubadour of the traveling person you know like that life at one point's the most adventurous fun uh in like exciting thing but someone who's comfortable might be like that bum you know what i mean <laughs> like definitely exactly it's yes it, it's even you know even using the word in my album i kind of had to be I kind of had to be like ready to take it on and be like, uh, at first I was going to call it Troubadour Dubai U. And I was like, I mean, cause that's, but then, you know, it's like, that's okay. That's one thing. But then like what I really was getting into is for one, when I wrote these songs, a lot of them came kind of directly from dream time. Like I'd wake up with melodies and songs in my head and words and such. And, uh, and then the other thing is that's kind of, you know, the dream as an artist is to be able to, to do your art and to be able to perform your art or make your art and the rest is, you know, the business part, the harder part. And, but we really, you know, getting into that rare creative state is the important part. And like, that's the dream. And, you know, that's kind of where I found it was all coming together for me was the ability to get these ideas out and to perform them and like the decision to go through with it and, and make it a thing, you know? So it's like, now these stories will be, like they're they're now <clears throat> officially documented and released you know yeah <laughs> so it's kind of like the troubadour lives on what it, typically as far as your writing process like do you do you get like those bits from dreams a lot is that kind of like where it comes in or is this like a select few things like because i can hardly remember any of my dreams <laughs> yeah no it's honestly mainly uh melodies and rhythms and such and just like the song and then and then the lyrics you know usually they they kind of they 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 come in and uh yeah they come in and fill they come in and fill in like then that then i'm once i can get the melody down and such somehow you know it takes me to what i'm writing about which i don't know like the title track rev the troubadour i just woke up with that melody in my head so i started whistling it and playing guitar and I just made that the thing. And then the words just kind of started coming to me of what I wanted to write about. And I just kind of went with it. And, and then I get to look back and say, oh, that's what that was about, you know. <laughs> like, and uh, and then Acadiana Culture Backsteps, another one that it uh, came in a dream that right around the same time. And then when I started writing about it, it was kind of like I was writing about current events, about kind of the political, racial stuff that was going on at the time, even here in, in Acadiana. And uh yeah, so and uh, Costa Margarita as well, like that, that rhythm and stuff came from a dream, and then you know, but it was one of those things where I had recorded it a long time ago, the dream, the dream uh, melody or the bass line, and then I had it fit perfectly with this sample I was working with from uh, my dad had recorded these these African bands in in France in the 1980s when they were on tour. And they were performing with these bands. So he had, I used some of these samples from these tape recordings, these cassette recordings. And then it just happened to fit perfectly with this old dream, dream time baseline, you know, just kind of yeah. put it all together. And then I was like, oh, I wanted to write about this thing I heard about. So, you know, just diving in and just being able to dive in was just such an awesome process of, uh, you know, being it and kind of taking it more serious. I mean, some, usually in the past, my songs, have come to me so fast that like 
they come, I write down the lyrics, and then it's done. You know, and then maybe yeah. a few little changes here. Some of these were more, you know, multiple day processes, which is a lot longer than usual, you know. So uh, it was really nice to be able to just dive in and really just tell the whole story, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I, I totally relate to that that extended bit because, like, with my own writing endeavors, I've been spending more time just writing the thing, not just, like, barfing out the, the melody and the words that fit and trying, you know what I mean? And that's, like, a yeah. whole nother, like, awakening moment for, oh, crap, maybe I should have been doing it like this the whole time. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, exactly. It just it's, such, it's so crazy because it's, you know, of course that goes to say, like, I don't feel like I could have written this album 10 years ago, you know? So, I mean, it's just... It's just we can only we can only right. do what we uh you know what we're what we're ready for or whatever. So it's like yeah, Very it's true. just Very true. having made many albums in the past. This was like you know yeah exactly because you learn you learn more how to do that and uh, yeah man because I know I mean I'm sure is the case for most musicians and stuff like it's not often that you actually write songs you know I mean some yeah. some people try to do it every day and they're like oh one in a hundred are good but for me it's like you know, usually when I write one, it's usually like, cause it's, cause it's good. It was that good where it, I had to get it down or whatever. Right, right. To me, to me, you know, so it's not like, it's not like something I do all the time. You know? Yeah. Well, and that's and interesting too, because like, if you do it as an exercise, it becomes an exercise and like, it's such a hit and miss thing, you know, with what you yes. think is worthy enough. Um, and yes. I know, I know we're kind Completely. of running running out of time and i really wanted to ask about working with bombino yeah man well when i when i made costa marguerite um i had like i said i made it off of these african rhythms that my dad had recorded from this band called the fresh ayuki and uh and uh which is c-h-a-o-u-k-i and and i left this instrumental break in there and i was like yeah i'll see what happens i was like man i would love to get bombino he would just fit so because i met him at festival international a few years before here in lafayette and just he blew me away i just happened to walk up on his set and then i got to go meet him and hang out with him and uh just really blew me away so i was like oh but that'll probably never happen you know and then about a month later i, f I heard he was coming play and i was like oh man let me see if i can make this happen and then sure enough we found the perfect little break <clears throat> between uh, New Orleans and Lafayette for him. And he came and stayed with us for a few days with his whole, with his whole crew. And uh, I just happened to be able to kind of put them all up in the situation that was happening at the time. And it was Ramadan. They cooked a big feast. And, uh, but then the guitar players, they were supposed to stay for like five days and the guitar players father had passed away and they were going to have to go back all the way to Nijara for the funeral. And um, so it turned out where we had one day and we said, we're going to do this. And he said, yep. And we just sat down and we, we did a few passes and he just kind of, you know, he kind of just sat there and took it in and got his thing. And then, you know, it was like, it was one of those things where you never know how these are going to go, right? When you get people to, to guest record, you never know what they're going to give you and how, what you want to ask for and such. So after a few passes, I just kind of decided to take out my fiddle halfway through and just started jamming along with him. And I found it really kind of gave him something more to go off of 
So I kind of jammed in the background the fiddle a little bit, and then we did a few more passes. Like, all right, cool. And then it was just brilliant. You know, we just we we put put it together, and it's just God, it completely just takes the song to a whole nother level. So it's a ma- dream come true to have him on the album for me. That's so that's so amazing. Like I saw him and me and my buddy saw him in Cleveland, and it's such a unique but similar guitar style, you know? And yeah. like, yeah. so to see him jump into like this kind of, even though it does have some of those rhythms, like on this track, was it, did, did, did it come naturally in a way? Did you see like, like, or was it when you guys started playing together that really brought that track to life? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think from, I think it's like, I think it like this, when people say, Oh, I wrote a Cajun song. I want you to play on. And I go, I'm like, well, this isn't really Cajun, but I can probably jam on it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like it's inspired by, but like, you know. So to me, I felt like it was like kind of like that. Like I think this is in your vein. He was probably like, okay, this is interesting, but I'm trying to figure it out, you know. And uh, so he, no, he totally like, I think got onto it, got into it on his own, but just like having that realization that like, hey, let me bring some life to this session and just actually jump in myself. It just just took it to a next collaborative level, you know, and uh, yeah, really, really definitely made sense. And I mean, it might, might've been like a different key than he's used to playing. And like, that's, you know, that's a big thing with me too. Like, where are you going to play on the fiddle? Our yeah. keys are typically these keys. And if you give me another key, I'm going to have to, it's going to take me a while to readjust, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Especially if you get comfortable. Cause I think he uses like a capo and stuff and does a lot of open, open. Yeah. Um, totally. But Man, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to chat with me. I this new album's incredible and I'm excited for the world to be able to hear it when it's when it's time to drop and I appreciate getting to dive into your career and pick your brain a bit. Um one last question and maybe a little kind of far off is like are you into are the Lost Ramblers like I hear a lot of like Mescaleros, Joe Strummer type of like vibe as far as like the mix of all these different cultures and genres yeah uh, i think it just happens naturally i don't think yeah. there's not with lost by ramblers it's really we're just trying to find new ways to tell our story like to, to like express our music like tradition our melodies and such and so i think it's just been a natural searching that maybe because that's happened a lot with us where like whatever we end up with people are like oh it, that reminds me of you know, like people use the punk word a lot back in the day and they still do. And like still I barely even know, you know, any punk music or anything like that. And like now I know about Joe Strummer because of when we did the stuff with, with Spider from the Pogues, who told us that Joe Strummer turned them on to Cajun music. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so like it just I think it's just kind of naturally landed there, you know. Well, but I get I th- what you're saying. That's cool. That's true, and I think I think if anything, the punk idea, the punk uh, attitude, is to do your own thing and embrace your own. Uh, that's right. Yeah, and like so, I definitely right. think in that aspect. So it's not even about the music; it's an attitude. <laughs> that's yeah. right. Totally. Well, and you guys definitely have that. And anyway, man, I'll let you go. Thank you so much. I really appreciate. That. Hey, no problem, man. Thanks for uh. Thanks for taking my time, constraints. And if you have any more questions or not, feel free to text me or, you know, call me a little later, whatever. I'm about to go drop off some things and all that. So it's all good. But yeah, let me know if you have any more questions or anything. For sure, man. Thank you so much. All right, David. Good to hear you, man. Likewise. 
safe travels. Thanks so much, man. Yo, Spike Spiegel here. You just listened to Zig of the Gig podcast. Keep riding the bebop. See you, Space Cowboy. Bang.